Good evening. Welcome, ghouls and goblins, to the 45th episode. I, I became Irish all of a sudden of the Socially Distance Podcast. Uh, my name is Bill Bodkin, your spooktacular host of the sixth installment of our Wanda Distance series. This is take two of our Wanda Distance series. Uh, I'm happy we're doing this again because I got to do that really terrible Count Dracula or Count Chocula, whichever you're feeling, um, introduction. Uh, of course, my name is Bill Bodkin. I'm the editor-in-chief of thepopbreak.com. And uh, barring any technical difficulties, I'll be your host for this evening. I am joined always, uh, ever so reluctantly, the crankiest man alive, justifiably so. He's also a huge fan of the show Justified. Mr. Al Manorino, what's going on? Oh, that was that was a great uh, connection you did right there. I'm, I'm like, I'm plowing through, like legitimately plowing through a Justified rewatch currently. I'm on season four already. I've been watching it at night. Oh, man, that show holds up so good. And uh, it, literally got to an episode uh, featuring our uh, favorite general asshole. Mr. 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 Haywood himself. himself. Director Haywood. Uh, we are joined by a very, very special guest. We're glad he was sprung from the UK during Christmas time. He is the grandest man alive, Mr. Ken Grandpierre. And before he says hello, do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the second season of The New Exchange with Ken Grandpierre, available on all podcast platforms. Buddy, it is so good to have you back. It's almost like I didn't talk to you for a long time yesterday, and here we are. <laughs> like, it never happened. <laughs> oh, it's so good to be back. I think uh, anyone who knows anything about podcasting knows that it takes an extensive amount of editing, and I've essentially spent the last two months as a hermit just hiding away from the world and working on this season. So it's good to be talking to human beings again. It's very nice. And of course, this Wanda distanced miniseries would not be complete without everyone's favorite West Coast Valentines. Throw the hard hands up for these two. Uh, she, the first, she is the resplendent music editor of thepopbreak.com, Miss Cat Manos. Cat, welcome back. Hello, everybody. I'm so glad we did not at all have this conversation yesterday. This is completely brand new. Completely fresh, and we're totally ready to talk about this episode, and I'm excited. And joining Cat, as always, the the resident, the man himself, wearing a red apple cigarette T-shirt, Mr. Cole Rothacker. Cole, but it's great to great to have you back. Hello, good to be back. Uh, I'm going to repeat my joke about getting defeated by a wooden gun again. <laughs> <laughs> good good i like how you also tweeted that out and i was just like man this is a this is good i enjoy this well we are back literally talking once again about episode six of wanda distance um and uh that's going to bring us into our first segment which is last week on wandavision last week literally on wandavision was episode six titled an all-new Halloween spooktacular, which is the reason I did the thing in the beginning of the podcast. The episode is, in a late 1990s, early 2000s setting, Wanda wants to spend Tommy and Billy's first Halloween together as a family. But Vision tells her he is going to patrol the streets with a neighborhood watch. 
Pietro, offers to step in as a father figure and takes the boys trick-or-treating, causing mischief with his super speed, which Tommy is revealed to have inherited. Meanwhile, Vision explores further away from their house and finds residents of Westview standing frozen in their positions, including Agnes. Vision speaks to Agnes's real self, and she tells him that he is dead. 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 Outside Westview, Hayward, a.k.a. General Assface, orders Monica, Darcy, and Jimmy to leave the base for disagreeing with his decision to attack Wanda, but they sneak back inside. They hack into his computer and discover that he is tracking Vision's vibranium signature. Vision tells to push... Vision tries to push through the static wall, but he begins to disintegrate. Billy senses this and tells Wanda, who expands the hexagonal static wall. Vision, Darcy, and several sword agents are enveloped by the new boundary. So that is the uh, that is the episode description. Uh, so this was not a uh, and this was a, a point of contention we we talked about on a lost episode, but as also a, a discourse online about um, how this, you know, blended the late nineties, early the nineties and the early two thousands. Uh, Ken, I'm going to start with you since you're our uh, guest of honor. Uh, what did you think about this blending of decades together? I thought it worked really well. I thought it was one of those things where when you objectively think about it, the 90s and the early 2000s are kind of very similar. Like, there's not really that much of a traumatic shift of, I guess, life. I mean, maybe iPods as opposed to Walkmans and little things like that. So I felt like it was kind of fitting and it made sense to me. Um, I even got, like, little vibes of, like, shows like Growing Pains and, like, Family Matters. I mean, as well as the obvious Malcolm in the Middle, which I think I'm the only one on this show, apart from you, Bill, who watched a kid. I watched I did not watch Malcolm in the Middle at all. Oh wow, I was the only one who watched Malcolm in the Middle. Um, no, well, you guys did it. You and you and Cole, man, the two people. Well, actually, I'm the only person not wearing glasses right now on this video call. Hold on, let me change that. Look so, that. so uh, <laughs> the only two people wearing hats, I should say, uh, the men in hats have both seen Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah, and objectively, I could say you haven't missed out on much. It's okay. It's not going to change your life. You don't need to start watching tomorrow, but. I liked, yeah, I liked, uh, I liked that vibe. I liked what they were going for. Uh, for me personally, I mean, Cole, you had mentioned that, you know, you know, you thought, you know, one of the most seminal Halloween series, well, episodes came from the show Roseanne. So I felt we would get a little bit more of that vibe. Uh, for me, I, you know, I liked the little details as someone who wore a <laughs> hemp and puka shell necklace a lot in the late '90s and early 2000s. Uh-huh. Um, to various um, implications of criminality. Um, also, when you don't like wearing shoes either, that kind of really reinforces things. Um, I enjoyed that. And um, also, uh, as someone who spent a lot of time in arcade in the late 90s, seeing a little DDR reference was uh, was very nice for me to see. But yeah, I also got a vibe of, uh, especially with the video record, the, the camcorder, basically intro, um, of the Ben Stiller film Reality Bites, Really reminded me of that with the graininess of the camera and, you know, kind of the typography that was used uh, underneath everyone's name. Of course, then we all throw that off with Agnes wearing the juicy sweatpants, which obviously were not around in the uh, 90s or at least the mid 90s. Uh, Kat, I'm going to go to you. What do you think about this uh, kind of decade blend? 
Uh, I thought it was very interesting. It, it was very surprising to me. Um, I thought because up until that point, I felt like the show had been very succinctly like take putting in a lot of detail to capture very specific sitcoms from the previous decade. And this one really seemed to kind of like blend a lot of things where it simultaneously felt nineties and two thousands, like how the two movies playing, um, at the like local movie theater on the marquee were the Incredibles and the parrot trap, which were released in 2004 and 1998. So it, it was very interesting. Um, I, I've been thinking about it and I, I feel like, um, it could have been intentional, uh, to a certain extent as, um, I think it was intentional insofar as it made me question, um, Wanda's abilities a little bit in a way that made me think since Pietro has kind of joined the show and knocked off the family dynamic of, you know, like the, the, the mother, the father and the two kids with Pietro there, she's been like more, she's had like divided attention. And so I was thinking that potentially the kind of uh, mishmash of the nineties and the two thousands was, just kind of her scrambling to um, to put something together because something we haven't talked about yet and maybe we'll never really get an answer to, but it's never really been explained why um, the decades are changing. Like I'm, I'm not really sure why we didn't just like stay in the sixties or stay in the night, like the eighties or anything. I, I, so I think that there's something interesting going on um, and it's going to be really interesting to see what happens when we catch up with modern day so to speak it's funny you mentioned that because i believe in the previous episode vision actually references this he's like what are we going to do sit in front of the tv then i'm going to wake up and everything's going to be he doesn't say the decade changes but he's like everything in the house and everything is going to be different so that is that is that is that is extremely interesting that you you bring it up and i I also want to also ask the question too yeah. Who was that? Who was that? Sort of Jimmy Woo. He also literally asked the question too while they were watching the shows in the episode that was kind of centered on them. He asked, "Why are the decades changing?" And like they indicated that they were aware that they were seeing like time move forward in the production design of the show. I also, when you said Parent Trap the second time, like well, the second time for the show. Yes. Uh, they, I was almost like, is that just like very on the nosy pun type thing of they're trying someone or something is trying to trap Wanda in vision in this world. And that's why they're using it. Cause I'm like, Oh, it was like twins and are trying to get the family back together. The kids look yeah. exactly the same. Lindsay Lohan in the, you know, the modern version, um, Oh, Haley Mills. Mills. I was going to say Miss Bliss, and I'm like, not the answer. Or Pollyanna <laughs> said too. And I'm like, nope, totally not the answer. That's the <laughs> character, not the actress. Um, so, yeah, I'm just wondering if that's an Incredibles, obviously. We know the reference there. But, uh, Cole, what's your thoughts on the uh, on that? Uh, not the parent trap thing. You can address that if you want. But uh, the mishmash, I guess, or the blending, like a, like a cheese blend, I guess, or a winter mix of the decades we have here. Yeah, it was unexpected, to be sure. You know, I, I for one, thought since it was a Halloween one and for – as far as I knew they were going to be in the nineties, I was expecting kind of 
Roseanne and also maybe like Home Improvement or or <laughs> probably more aptly Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Um, that, oh, wow. that would have yeah. fit, I think, very well. Uh, but I, I, I can kind of see why they moved it along to the late 90s, early 2000s. And, you know, I don't think it like really breaks anything that we've seen come from the show before, kind of as they've progressed. It, it was just a bit unexpected, but I liked it. Um, I think other than the Brady Bunch, Malcolm in the Middle is the only sitcom they've directly referenced that I watched quite a bit of growing up because um, I wasn't really a, a sitcom guy. Um, but that one was one I watched quite a bit. And I, I think they did do a really good job of capturing the weird tone of that show. Just even though it, like, even though like that show kind of felt like it took place more in the real world than like an old sitcom, it was still very like cartoony and very, uh, just like everybody in the show kind of acted like a, a lunatic. Um, and, and they, they captured that and the, you know, they do like the, the cutaway gags like perfectly. The, the set design looked just eerily a lot like that show in particular to the point where I think they must have people working on it that worked on those shows because it's like so spot on. And it's not even really something I can articulate. It's just they somehow got it yeah. really well. Yeah. It, it's, um, Al, I'm going to kick it over to you, um, you know, this blend. But I, I also remember, you know, the last episode, we talk, you talked a lot about what Kat had mentioned about the control, that one is controlled. This maybe this is it's uh, it's fraying a bit because all of a sudden now we're not in a distinctive time period. So your thoughts on this blend? Is this Wanda's um, control slipping a little bit or what have you? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's slipping because at the end of the episode we, we see, you know, she's expanding the reach of the, the, the hex, if you will, just to, to basically to save vision. Spoilers. It, it's interesting that we see these things happening within, uh, within Westview and it, it seems like she's losing control, but I think it's just like she's getting more curveballs thrown at her. I think Pietro's presence is a real curveball because of the way the way he's talking the way and you know we get the another one of those glimpses of you know the reality of it all when we saw gray vision dead vision however you want to refer to him and then when we saw pietro covered in bullets uh which we didn't get to talk about in the last uh in the, in the I, last I episode refer, i referred to that as in my notes as cole's corpse theory cole's corpse <laughs> theory love that um so it's interesting because I, I think she's both losing control of the situation, but she's only getting stronger because of it. You know, when and, and again, there's so much to talk about in this episode because we have to get to the kids and Pietro. It's insane. Too much. So let's let's transition to our next segment, whereas Wanda, there's something wrong here or because I get everything wrong. There's something wrong here, Wanda. Uh, so I don't know which one's right, but I know this is the next segment. So let's talk about Pietro, because ever since the end of last episode, um, he has just been this huge question mark. Um, you know, it's Evan Peters, not Aaron Taylor Johnson, who obviously, for people who forget, Aaron Taylor Johnson was the actor who played um, Elizabeth Olsen's brother, you know, Pietro, Quicksilver, whatever you want to call him, in Age of Ultron. Of course, ironically, also those two star together in the movie Kick-Ass, which is a little punsky that we see later in the film, where 
Wanda literally just says, kick ass. And, you know, obviously I know our kid says it, but at the same time, a little wink and a nod to those fans and those people paying attention, in my opinion. Um, but Pietro says a lot of things. Like, we see the kids, we see Tommy and Billy talking to, in traditional late 90s, early 2000s sitcoms, the kids are talking to the camera. However, Pietro is talking more directly to Wanda as, I'm in on the gag. He talks about her suppressing childhood trauma. He's, you know, tries to tell her, be honest with me. I'm not your husband. I'm not this. I'm not that. You could talk to me. He often admits he knows what's happening in the series, unlike any other character. So I guess my first question is, let's talk about his hair. No, let's talk about the motivation of why, or maybe the reasons why, he is able to do this, and no other character really seems to fully do this. Uh, because like, we get hints for Agnes and Herb, especially in this episode, which we'll get to. But, Ken, I'll start with you first, again, guest of honor. Um, let's talk about why do you think Pietro is able to talk to Wanda in this way, unlike anyone else? That's a really good question. I have almost like a weird mishmash of theories where I have a weird feeling that this is a combination of the Pietro that existed during Age of Ultron and the Pietro from like the X-Men universe and that in some way in some weird cosmic multiverse kind of way the two have collided and that's where the confusion's coming from him where I mean I was going to bring this up later on but I spent a good majority of this episode uh holding my my fist clenched to my knees waiting for him to say the word mutant and i was so sure he was gonna say it and i was like come on you cowards just say mutant just say it say it now did you literally call the television a coward you're like you cowards i just totally absolutely did just do it what? Ah. you're gonna wait you're gonna wait for the season finale just do it now say mutant and obviously that didn't happen so part of me thinks Spoiler, maybe that it, ken is a big x-men fan so oh the biggest <laughs> the biggest people listening who are like particularly young at one point in time not too long ago the x-men were more popular than the avengers just just letting you know right now it's true Uh, it's really wild but yeah i think pietro is an amalgamation and because of comics being what they are he has good old amnesia and i think because he is wanda's brother it might be coming from a place where he generally wants to help but doesn't know how and doesn't know enough even in his own mind to offer that help so i almost think what we're seeing is kind of like him kind of going through that cloud of amnesia and finding a way to get to a place where he actually can be of use to her well it's funny that you mentioned that ken you said that you should go next well i was going to say it's funny that ken mentions that because i I, we another thing we didn't discuss in the last episode was uh when vision is talking to agnes and kind of getting uh getting more of a lowdown she mentions like you're an avenger like you need to help us or whatever and he's like what, what's the avengers and i i was like oh shit he doesn't even know his past like he literally just knows mm-hmm. this which is super interesting to me um and i again it leaves it really open for them to do whatever the hell they want in terms of the mutants but i, I kind of agree with ken that he's an amalgam because he does have you know 
parts of his memories, but not really. Those are kind of, the details are, are really weird on that. And we could talk about the random flashback of them dressed in Halloween costumes as Nick Fury and, and, and Black Widow. But by the way, she's supposed to be dressed as Black Widow. Yeah. Wait, she oh, had yes. like she had antennas on her ears. When did Black Widow have antenna on her? She ears? did not have antennas on her ears. She had did something. She, she had, it looked like she did. She was like oh. a lady. Or, oh, I thought she was supposed to be dressed as um as uh, what's it called? Unless she, was black, unless she was a black widow spider. There you go. There you go. Just just solving, I mean, solving crime. That though. is that is uh that's a that's a stretch. That's a stretch. <laughs> it's a stretch. <laughs> I don't think black widows have antennae. Well yeah, but I just I think I think it leaves it really open for for the M word. Um I, w- I really do hope he does say uh or mutants are mentioned in some capacity. Um, I still think there's some sort of multiverse angle here, like kind of like she plucked him from another reality as a, a Pietro that is related to her, but just looks different and has different memories because it's not her Pietro, it's a Pietro. So that's that's one way I can kind of think of it. The other way is someone is involved in some way, like they're kind of producing this. They're literally producing a show. For, pe- for someone to watch, right? It can't be all Wanda. It just it doesn't make any sense. So I feel like there could be something at play there where, where we've even talked about on the show. It's like another resident has kind of taken the role of Pietro. They can go. There's so many ways they can go about it. I'm just uh, I'm I'm surprised of his involvement if they don't mention mutants in some way. It's just a missed opportunity. I. See, my thing, I'm very torn here that I like the theory that he is this Pietro that's been plucked out of the multiverse and plopped in here. So he has information and he knows certain things that Wanda doesn't know, but he also doesn't know certain things. But I also am still wondering if he's this avatar, this Trojan horse for someone else, for malevolent means, that he is being used as an agent to get information out of her. Why, why he wants her to confide in him. Like what, why does he need that? You know, you know, he's saying, Oh, you can trust me. And Cole, you, we, we've talked about this before. Anytime someone says you can trust me, be wary of that character. Yeah. It, because they are the least trustworthy. Yeah. Um, the moment he said that, I, I suspect now because of that, that he's not someone to trust. He's probably, Someone trying to hurt her. Or... Okay, so, Cole, I'm going to go right to you now. Who who do you think, if if he is this Trojan horse slash avatar, who's pulling the strings here? Who sent him in? Yeah, I, that's a really good question, because I, I think it's totally possible he could be Pietro or Peter from another universe. I mean, we do know that this is supposed to set up Wanda's uh, participation in the Multiverse of Madness movie. And obviously that title indicates that the multiverse is playing into it. And you would have to assume that since they're bringing in a character from a different universe, then that has something to do with it. But I just did think it was kind of weird throughout the episode how he never uh, seems to like be able to like give her a straight answer about their past. You know, like he gives an account of something that happened to them, but it doesn't seem to match at all with what her memory of the of what it was was. 
Um, she asks him about a very specific thing uh, in their childhood, but and he like totally deflects and avoids like answering it at all. Um, I, I also did think it was weird how you know he mentions his point of view of what's happened. The way he described it is he died like a chump in the middle of the in, in the street for no reason, and then heard her calling to him and. To me, that's just so strange because that, like, I know he's kind of like supposed to be playing like a kind of a character, but it just seems weird to me that he would characterize his death like that because in, because what he's talking about is when he died in Age of Ultron and in Age of Ultron, he sacrificed himself to save Hawkeye and a kid. And I just, I don't think he would like describe that as dying like a chump for no reason. So that kind of seemed really yeah. odd to me that he would, that's how he would recall that event. Um, it's almost it's, like her recollection. He's just different. And I, I don't trust him. Cole, Cole, it's almost like it's like her recollection of it. You know what I mean? In the sense of like, you know, I, not even that. It's, it, uh, I don't know. I think she would, be, she would understand she, like, she would understand, she, but like in the sense of like maybe, maybe it's like, Again, I feel like Pietro is almost acting like her conscience in some capacity, right? Like the 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 bad like the bad angel or whatever. Mm-hmm. No, be the angel and the devil. The 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 one on the other shoulder, the bad the bad yeah. one, right? Talking the way that he's talking to her, it's almost like you can confide in me, but I'm going to be very straight with you. Mhm. Yeah, no, that's the that's, vibe that I got from it. Yeah, that's that's totally valid. Um yeah, just, but I don't know. Something about him just seems very untrustworthy to me. I don't know, like, who's pulling the strings if someone is, but I do feel like he's aligned with Agnes in some way. I feel like she's probably the one who brought him there because I'm, I'm pretty sure Wanda didn't because she really seems to be completely caught off guard by his presence. And she also says that she didn't, you know, uh, bring him in. So, I mean, even though she's kind of, unreliable i i don't think she would lie about that especially to vision um she would just keep it from him if, if anything but you know um so so i don't know i i just i feel like if if there is a puppet master it's agnes because it seems like they're both trying to get something out of her and the way they do it is similar in the way that i think Agnes and now also Vision, the way they're kind of getting what they need out of Wanda is they're aware enough that they're in this sitcom world that they're now kind of using the tropes of it to sort of navigate around Wanda and get to, you know, whatever they need. Mm. And that's what that's yeah. what Vision was obviously doing the whole episode. You know, like he had an ulterior motive, but he framed it as like, oh, I'm going on like this B plot in a sitcom uh, where I'm going on a Halloween watch. He dressed as a sexy luchador. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally pop for that. Yeah. Sexy luchador, chili con carne in order to go out there and, and find out what was beyond Ellis Avenue. But yeah. Kat, what do you, what's your takes on the whole uh, Wanda Pietro situation of why he's able to talk to her more directly about, the world and not like kind of play the part. It seems like he's playing the part of the uncle Jesse and the uncle Joey mm-hmm. to the kids, but not to Wanda. Or yeah, at least when I, it's not around. Yes. Yes. Uh, honestly, 
Cole said a lot of what I would have said and how I feel. I, I personally think, I mean, I'm fully aware that I'm just a hundred percent writing my own fan fiction in my mind of this show, but I'm leaning into it. I think that this Pietro as portrayed by Evan Peters is not the Pietro of the MCU. I think that he is the Pietro of the Fox X-Men. And I think that he is either under a spell or has, or is like doing the bidding of Agnes. I think that Agnes is the one who summoned him. I don't think that it was Wanda because like Cole said, I believe her when she says that she didn't summon him. She also seems very surprised when he's there. And she also doesn't spend the entire episode saying like, I'm so glad you're back. I love you. If anything, she's skeptical of him as well. She never does. No, never, she's, she like she's tests never him. happy. She tests him and she says like, what happened to your accent? And she talks about their childhood. And from my perspective, everything that Pietro in this episode says is absolute common knowledge that anyone in this universe might know who wasn't there or who just like the general knowledge of like, yeah, they grew up in Sokovia. Their parents died. It was a struggle. And he died in the middle of the street because of Ultron. Like he doesn't say any new information that is privileged information between him and Wanda that we would pre previously have known. Um, I, I think that he was summoned by Agnes and Agnes is working with Mephisto or whoever. And I think that he was specifically summoned under with the intention that he would be able to manipulate Wanda to do something because he's the only other person in Wanda's life who is dead, who she isn't able to revive because she doesn't have his body. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm fully going with that theory and leaning into it. And the more that I see that, I start seeing it in everything. Like you, you just mentioned the Alice Avenue, which I'm sure we'll, we'll get to in a minute, but the more I've been thinking about it, the more I'm, actually convinced that the reason we see everybody frozen could be that they're just out of Wanda's range or something. But I think it's extremely notable that Agnes is there too. And I don't think there's any evidence to suggest that Agnes herself wasn't the one who's also been helping Wanda with this world and also has them under a spell and her waking up interaction with vision was completely an act yeah she's the only one who seems to be able to talk at all everyone else is like completely frozen and not responsive and stuck but she seemed to be have like like basic autonomy over her body yes and something that um cole and i have talked about which is when we've seen other people wake up like a uh, visions coworker. Mm -hmm. He says like, she's in my brain. It's so awful. It's terrible. He just says she, in my opinion, that's Agnes. Agnes is the only one oh. so far who okay. says like, it's Wanda vision, but uh, Wanda's doing this. It's like, <laughs> bitch, you're setting her up. I don't yeah. trust her for a minute. Also, also, also she's dressed as a witch. I mean, come on. And it said naughty on her butt in the, yeah. in the beginning. I think it's pretty, <laughs> 
I would love it if they're just like, how did we not see it? It was literally written on her butt. Uh, <laughs> no. I didn't. I, Kat. Oh, okay, okay, go ahead. I was just going to say, I have to give it up to Kat because I have not even thought about this because something that's coming back to me, like when they, a couple episodes back when they were in the 70s and it's her and Herb uh, standing by that fence and Vision's trying to get like a conversation out of them. Yeah. Like Herb looks scared and she does it. And the implication could be, the implication is that they're both scared of Wanda, but it could be that he's scared of Agnes who's right next to him. Yes. A hundred percent. I've I've felt this way since like episode two, because it's always been so fascinating to Cole and I both that almost all of Wanda's decisions that she makes throughout the episodes are always influenced by Agatha, like trying to hook up with Vision to have sex so they can have kids. Um, when she really inserts herself to take care of the babies at the beginning of the 80s episode. She's the one who's like, let's take this from the top again, because right. Vision says, I'll take care of the kids. And Agatha's like, no, but I'm, I'm supposed to. Let's yeah. let's do it again. And no one else has done that. Everyone is, like, totally in character at all times. But she was very decidedly out of character at that moment. Well, yeah, just, there, there is one character who we have to question, that I, I want to just, before I get to that... Kat, the re- one of the great things I thought you said that there was a lot, but it was that she's brought Vision back, mm-hmm. and she says she professes she's totally head over heels in love with Vision, and right. says it multiple times, but like you said, never says it to Pietro, yeah. never is showing that joy that she has around Vision, that she has around her brother who's been gone longer. And who she, you know, is, you would assume has known longer, knew longer right. than Vision. But there is one character in this episode, I said character really weird there, is that does kind of go a little bit off script. And that's Herb, who I uh, yeah. see with an earpiece in. Yeah. And it's not uh, something you would see a neighborhood watch person have, kind of looking like an old school earpiece you would see a Secret Service agent have, a referee in a football game but anyway not a neighborhood watch guy and he asked wanda he's like is there anything you need me to fix or no anything you need me to change anything you need changed right and that's very very unusual for herb to say because he's usually like very you know go with the flow except that you know episode two or three no episode three, three where he tries to admit something so what do we think about her? Because I, th- you know, we started talking about this on the last episode is could Herb be an inside man for Al's favorite character, director Aspace, of course, uh, which who is uh, Hayward, head of sword. So, Ken, I'm going to start with you. What's the deal? What's the deal? Uh, such a 90s thing to say with her, <laughs> you think, in this episode. Well, it's actually funny. It's such a because... short thing, I know. It's so we, but you know, <laughs> but I think it's important. Well, during the last episode, we mentioned how. Um, well, we mentioned several things about Agnes. We mentioned how in the credit sequence she doesn't have like a proper actual real name, mm-hmm. and also that uh, when uh, Jimmy Wu and uh, Monica Rambo are like figuring out who's who, uh, she's the only one who doesn't have an identity. So I was operating from the assumption that. She's probably a deep agent that's working with Hayward, and she was there like ages ago. And 
he like it's interesting um where this idea comes from it very much comes from how a lot of the marvel comics operate where there are so many storylines whether it's like iron man or fantastic four where all the cards seem like they're on the table and then one random character is like meanwhile this whole time I was secretly talking to this specific character while no one else knew and everyone else was confused about what was going on. So yeah. that that makes me think there's a chance that could be happening. But after we had that talk just now about Agnes, maybe that's what's going on with Ferb. And yeah, I think there's a good chance he might be an agent of some sort. Or maybe even he was such a high-ranking person already prior to going into this weird hex that maybe his training is allowing him to kind of break through a little bit. So I think Herb is more important than meets the eye generally, regardless of like what the context is. Yeah. See, I was thinking maybe he's a little more deep cover here because remember, um, he's, you know, we, we, we Darcy uh, uncovers him. Cole, I, I, I don't, I think either Cole or Ken knew the name of the, the operation that Darcy found out about. It was, um, I don't oh, remember. Cataracts. cataracts, cataracts. So she finds out about that. Hayward seems to have way more information about what's going on than anyone else does. So, and this town has been, you know, under, you know, under Wanda's control for a while. And that is the robbery of the, uh, visions corpse by who we're assuming is Wanda. Mm-hmm. probably is but you never know it, so you have to think maybe someone has is already inside and some of the beekeeper stuff even though i I'd still maintain he could be that dead dog there <laughs> 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 i've ever had in my life um that you know maybe he's been planted there for a while and that type of communication that he has is appropriate for the time period. So it would be able to work. And is Hayward getting inside information from a guy like Herb while he's there? And that's why he's able to make these moves. So, uh, Colin Cat, what's your opinion on um, our, our quote-unquote friendly neighbor, Herb? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, he I, also I'm could not... be a complete red herring, too. He could yeah, just be like... I... I'm not convinced he's an agent because uh, they do find he's one. They, they do identify him as like a real person, and they have like his real name and his New Jersey driver's license up there. So he is, I think, a person from the town, but he does seem to demonstrate a larger awareness of what's going on than most other people. So that does kind of make him stand out a bit. It's I don't know. It's it's really kind of hard to say at this point. Um, I I do th- I do agree though that uh, Hayward definitely has known a lot more about this than than we know. Um, so it is possible he has people in there. Um, I, I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure it's it's her, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he had some channel going on in there because as i mentioned on the lost episode you know they find his secret project Mm -hmm. that's called cataracts which i'm convinced is whatever they were doing to vision because obviously cataracts is blindness Mm -hmm. um and yeah it seems weird that he sent monica rambo on this mission 
aware of what had happened at, at, at the sword facility just a few days prior. He doesn't tell her about doesn't it. Doesn't tell her about it. I mean, maybe he's not aware that this missing person's case has anything to do with it, but that seems like a huge coincidence to me. Um, so I don't know. Uh, my, my big takeaway is I, I don't trust that guy either. I, the, the only two people I don't trust in the show are Hayward and, and Pietro and Agnes. Those three. Herb, yeah, I mean, but also Herb could be like that driver's license. That could just be all smoke and mirrors, too. Could be, yeah. yeah. it could be fake. But, I mean, like, the cool thing about the show is it's just like, they're going to keep you guessing till the very end, and you could just find that Herb's just a dude. Right. Who really likes neighborhood safety. <laughs> For all we know. But, Kat, what's your, what's your thoughts? Yeah, you know what, I'm not... I'm not really sure because there are times when when Herb seems like very clearly like under a spell. Like we talked about how he seems to be mindlessly like sawing through the brick wall. Um, But then other times seems to be like operating on a different level. And I don't know. It could be that maybe Agnes takes him in and out of the spell. He helps like do some of her bidding when she can't do everything, but then he puts her back under a spell. I I don't know. It's, it's very fascinating. I, I do feel like Hayward knows a lot more than he's letting on. And I think it's hinted at, um, in this episode when Darcy's like, Oh, I'm going to stay here because I need to crack this other firewall or something like I think that there are ulterior motives he has for like wanting to kill Wanda. Mm -hmm. Like it just, he seems like so aggressive right away. And he he, like pulls out some like bullshit, like, Oh, she violated Sokovia Accord 1.7. And it's like something dumb. Like what is it? Yeah. I don't know. Something like that. It's, it's something that just, it, it's really bizarre because he's not intent on discovering what's going on with Wanda. He's just intent on killing her. Yeah. I and think she'll so, cover up something that he did. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, so, maybe because she saw what was going on with, you know, they're using visions, body parts and whatnot. Yeah. So Alex Marcus, our, 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 who reviews the episode weekly brought up the idea that, um, uh, Admiral Assface, cause I completely forgot his name for a second. Uh, is the reason they're so hot to kill Wanda isn't because of Wanda. It's because they're trying to weaponize the remains. They're trying to harvest Vision's remains for weapons because he's made of vibranium. They're mm-hmm. trying, there's some sort of weapons program that's trying to be made here that they're trying to, that's remember we talked about a few weeks ago. It was like, why was he all apart? He wasn't all dissected when Thanos killed him. So as we get a Monroe tail cameo on the, on the video <laughs> call, which is awesome. And uh, so it could be that he's been trying, they, there's weapons going on here. There's weapons in the, in the making with visions body. And that's why they need to eliminate Wanda in order to get back to the job that they created, because there's some sort of extraterrestrial force that's coming, or they're trying to prevent another Thanos, like they said, like he said, you weren't when he, in his shitty monologue to, to Monica, well, it's Monica, right? Yes. Oh God, I keep getting the names wrong. Is it to Monica where he was, you know, where before he says, you know, good thing your mom, you weren't here when your mom died, which is like the, the dick thing to say, but it's like in, in 
lost in that. He's just like, you weren't here and how bad it was. So it's like, is he just like, we need to, we need to take visions, visions, body and harvest it so we can create a super weapon to prevent another Thanos from coming in like the God killer, which is, I know was a, a weapon or something in another sci-fi or some sort of movie, um, you know, just some sort of ultimate weapon. So that's what I'm wondering why sword is so hot and heavy on this situation. Well, okay, since he, well, since he's American, I think the odds of you being <laughs> right are pretty high. I think there's a great us, chance for that. Us and our guns. But you know, it could also be, you know, because, uh, this is comics. And I actually kind of want to piggyback off something else that Cole mentioned earlier about how when Quicksilver said along the lines of like um, uh, what it was said, kind of like he went out like a chump. What's really interesting is that a lot of fans felt that way about Age of Ultron when he died. And I felt like that line was almost like a wink because what's really interesting getting super nerdy is that in a lot of ways, Wanda and Pietro as characters don't work in isolation and have st- have historically only worked together as a unit. So when that, that movie came out and they killed Quicksilver, a lot of people thought it was odd because it was almost like this question mark of what would you do with Wanda? Because unfor- like in a lot of ways, unfortunately, she's not as interesting by herself. This show is definitely proving that to be not the case. And they're doing a lot of interesting things with her. But prior to that, it was always this idea that without quit her brother, there's not really much there of a dynamic. So I think what's kind of interesting is that maybe with Marvel having ended the Avengers with Endgame, that they're now going to kind of piggyback and kind of retcon some things. And when you were saying that just now about Hayward and Vision, I know another thing that trips people up is that Ultron in the comics is such a big entity and villain in the context of the Avengers that the fact he only existed in one movie was considered kind of strange. So what we're talking about now of Hayward, it could almost lead to reintroducing Ultron because he's essentially trying to do exactly what Tony did that created him. So I could almost envision him taking Vision's body and, you know, going with the best intentions as any American would and causing another Ultron disaster because it would kind of line up with the comics where one of the reasons Ultron keeps coming back is that whenever they battle him and beat him, there's always some character, some political entity that's like, well, just in case. That's really interesting. Yeah. I I yeah. like the idea of Ultron coming back, if only because it means that we're just uh, retconning the work that Joss Whedon has given this <laughs> enterprise. And yep. uh, clearly with recent news and also not recent news, I'm sorry, if anyone's been paying attention for like the last 15 years, they would know that Joss Whedon's a piece of shit. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's very interesting. And I remember feeling very disappointed when Quicksilver was was killed in the movie, if only because at the time I was like, really? Like, we sacrificed Hawkeye? Okay, the guy with the bow and arrow? Um, well, it gave us Linda Cardellini in the other That's movies. true. Apparently, I, according to the Fairly Brothers, she is the, she is the pillar of Hollywood. Um, Al... We were we're wondering about Hayward's intentions here, um, and we're wondering if one of the th- reasons why he's so hot to kill Wanda is not because of the threat of Wanda, 
is because, as in our review on thepopbreak.com this week, our, our reviewer Alex Marcus said that they're, they're mining vision for weapons. And I was saying kind of this, let's prevent Thanos from happening again, a god killer, uh, an end-all, be-all type weapon. And Ken brought up, you know, they're essentially trying to re- just do what Tony Stark did and recreate Ultron, which Vision is part of, or is made up, Vision's made up of. Um, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's it's interesting because, you know, we, we've been talking about from the whole series that, you know, Vision is dead. And a big reason for that is Thanos literally, literally took his mind out of his head. He took the mind stone, right, which is a big part of Vision. So having him, quote unquote, like resurrected now within the Hex... He has the Mind Stone, which I find interesting. But on top of that, like if we're going out of reality, Hayward, or as I call him, General Asshole. Um, we have like seven names for him. It's just generally he yeah. sucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I feel like, yeah, they were obviously um, taking apart Vision and whatever, whatever, dissecting him or whatever to create weapons out of him. Um, he is made of like one of the rarest metals in the world as well, vibranium. So there's there's just a monetary value of Vision instead of him being buried in the ground. So I feel like his intentions are definitely in the nefarious um, in some way. It's, it's obviously made uh, clear when... Um, Darcy is looking through uh, the, the the security of Sword, and there's there's you know a deeper level that um, she's still trying to hack and trying to find out like what his motives are. And I think it is like to weaponize Vision's corpse in some way. And Wanda, he doesn't care about Wanda. He was about to kill her. He doesn't give a shit. Like he wants what's his in his eyes, and that is you know Vision's corpse. And uh, so let's, um, in my corniest segue of all time, let's rock on to Ellis Avenue and let's take it higher because we have, uh, I like Cole's reaction to that joke. It just be like, I ain't selling that. Not selling that. Uh, and you shouldn't. It was terrible. Uh, so let's go to Ellis Avenue where we're at a literal crossroads when we find, um, you know, first, you know, I guess I have to do it in reverse now. Tarantino went for a second. We see... Um, Agnes and her Volvo, very late 90s, early 2000s, um, stuck, lost in the town she grew up in. But we also see these uh, neighbors, uh, these residents of Westview. Uh, we see the woman who's kind of stuck in a loop, and all of a sudden a tear drops from her eyes as she's trying to hang a Halloween decoration, and her husband is uh, putting down a jack-o'-lantern. We also see others that are just completely frozen. So let's talk about Let's talk about just like getting down to why is this even happening? So I'm going to start with you. Why why are why are these people out of touch? Why are these people frozen in a loop? Whatever you want to say. Well, if we want to consider the what's happening in Westview as someone's broadcasting a television show or or some sort of like acted out kind of play, then I feel like these people are frozen because they're just not of use. They're not in Wanda's vicinity. So it's like almost like everyone's under Wanda's control. But when Wanda is there, 
and is putting on the show, then they're kind of like active and activated. And then like they're going through the motion. So if you're in town square, you're seeing kids running and trick or treating and, you know, they're watching movies and all that kind of stuff. But when you're at the all the way at the edge of town where one is nowhere near, you're going to get this like just bare minimum, like just like they're frozen, waited to be waiting to be like useful in like the I guess the to further her plot within the hex. So, you know, vision being there doesn't activate them. That's why, you know, they're the people are frozen. That's why Agnes is stuck. And I feel like we're going to see, I hope I, I pray that one episode, we're going to see what is happening when Wanda's not around in each decade, even if it's just a glimpse, a scene, right. Of like, what transpired while Wanda wasn't there, whether people are getting ready for the big scene, like literally waiting outside to get into the vision home. Like that would be interesting to see, because I think that's where you're going to get why Agnes was there. You're going to see she's so far away from being needed in this episode of WandaVision that she gets in her car and she's like, I can't take it anymore. I'm getting the fuck out of here. Drives all the way to the edge and then realizes she can't. That's, I would love to see that explanation. That'd be really cool. I love how that's how you're going to renew your faith in God to pray for that. That's wonderful. Uh, (laughs) God, I should never host a podcast ever. Uh, What do you think? Like, why, why are we, why are we frozen in a loop? Is is it a holding pattern? Because Wanda's not using him, as she said in one episode. What do you think? I'm, I'm, you know, taking care of people's dentist appointments and, you know, running their everyday lives. And or is that is as Pietro said, we've been hiding the children all this time. Mm-hmm. I know you bring them out for the special, right? So, what's your thoughts? Um. Yeah. I mean, to me, it felt very clear that they're basically frozen because they're just not like as Al said they're not in Wanda's immediate vicinity they're not really a part of like the immediate proceedings going on um it kind of reminds me of like when you're playing a video game and you turn a corner and like that like the other side of the building is not completely rendered out and it'll like take a second to kind of catch up to you now that you're actually there so it, it kind of feels like something like that where they're just being kind of held in place and then when you know wanda or the kids walk through that area that's when they would like just immediately be like activated to like fulfill whatever role they're needed for on the on the show so that's why i feel like what was going on there for sure here's what i think again talking out of my ass I think they were all frozen because Agnes made them frozen, which is why she was there because Agnes knew that vision was going to go and investigate. And Agnes wanted to plant the seed. Hey vision, look what Wanda's doing. You need to do something. You need to get involved. Blah, 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 blah. That's what I was thinking. I think that the woman is crying, not because not even really that she's stuck in a loop, but I think it's because she's not in control of her life in general. Like, I think that 
Wanda's not the only person who's running this show. I feel like it is Agnes. Um, I don't know if I would feel that way if Agnes wasn't also there stuck in her car, not knowing where she was going. Like, no, we haven't seen that at all so far in this show. Everyone, like, has a path and a plan. No one stops and says, oh, I don't know where I'm going. I can't remember how to get... Like, it just... It feels like an act. I think it's Agnes. Mm-hmm. Also, a, a side note, uh, pretty much every episode I have felt very bad for Wanda. I see this show as enacting uh, trauma and trying to live through the experience of having lost people, and I felt very bad for her. And it wasn't until this episode did I start to like really see, like, oh, I don't feel bad for Wanda anymore because what's going on is so nefarious. But I think that's what the show wants you to think. But no, Wanda's not nefarious. Wanda is sad because her husband was murdered and her brother was murdered. And everyone thinks that she's just a crazy girl because she's got weird superpowers. And I don't want her to be a villain. And I don't think that she's controlling all these people. I think that she has set up an environment where her and Vision could live a dream American, American dream life. And I think that she's being manipulated by Agnes and or somebody else. I, I still I, think I still think Red uh, Agnes is is becoming more and more like a red herring. And I I don't know, Kat. I think you're you're she, you're, she could you're, be Al. She, she could, could be. No, I just want to comment like you you have the interpretation of like you think she's putting on an act, but I feel like and I mentioned this during the the um. Well, the last true. episode, the special episode, not the last episode, the special episode, the, you know, the 80s Growing Pains-esque uh, episode. Yeah. yeah. That there is a moment when she is in actual fear. She's dreading that she doesn't know how she keeps having these things that Wanda needs. Right? And then we kind of get that again when she's woken up. In in the, in, when, when Vision kind of wakes her up, right? Is this, like, moment of, like, She's a normal person. And like I know we'd really truly want her to be Agatha Harkness. And I think I think Marvel is just is pulling a, a Mandarin on us and is definitely like this we want you to believe that this is the person you think it is. But in reality it's not. And again, I think it, it could also go into that theory of like it could have started out as Agnes doing this and then it got out of control and she's kind of lost in her own trap that she basically set for Wanda because we, to say that she's behind everything doesn't make sense in in the sense that we see Wanda using her powers, right? We see her expanding the hex. So it's just like, that's what's troubling. Yeah. 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 But, but, but I like Kat's theory about like, I love Kat's theory. Why does, why does she expand the hex? Because Vision has broken through. Why does Vision break through? Because Agnes is really goading him. And uh, let's just get into this. And Ken, I'm going to you you first, both about the neighborhood and Agnes, is Agnes does goad him and says, oh, and everything she says is dramatic. You're dead, dead, dead. No one says that. No one gets operatic when you're telling someone that they're dead. I mean, it's just like that was way over the top. Everything she said seemed overly dramatic and over the top and very, very hitting everything that Vision was worried about. 
Mm-hmm. So I, I could see that. It, it, she was what put him over the top. Ken, going to you right now. First, just address the neighbors real quick, and then your thoughts about the uh, the now dead, dead, dead Agnes in the Volvo scene. Well, it's interesting, because earlier I was saying how I think there will be like some reveal of Agnes, and I do still think that's the case. But interestingly enough, with uh, the context of Wanda, I think something that's been very consistent with her character and other iterations, and maybe it's just an X-Men thing as well, where a lot of characters find themselves um, having their powers almost run beyond them, mm-hmm. and they find themselves doing things with powers that they're not even aware of. And interestingly enough, with Scarlet Witch particularly, that's almost like a mainstay of her character, where she'll find herself in situations and doing things that she'd even have any uh, perspective on within herself. So I bring that up to say in the context of um, those people being frozen and when she kind of alludes to vision, like, oh, do you think I'm making people's dentist appointments? I kind of almost took that as like a joking lie where if I think about everything I know, I mean, obviously this is a different iteration, but when I think about everything I know about Wanda and other areas, like I kind of laughed when I watched it. I was like, oh, you could do that. And it's unclear whether or not she is. But when I saw those people, my first reaction was like, oh, maybe that is Wanda doing that, where she's frozen those people in place until she needs to use them. And I'm thinking maybe what might happen is if she does turn out to be a villain, I don't think it's going to be like a simple thing of I'm angry, screw everyone else. I think it's going to be maybe a mixture of feeling like um, feeling not heard and feeling, you know, disqualified but also manipulation because that's where i think agnes is coming in and with the dead 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 i do think that for as powerful as wanda is and can be there must be some other strings being pulled because otherwise uh and this was brought up in the last episode so wanda takes vision's body and then goes into westview and makes this place and then it takes monica rambo to be kicked out of there for then sword to plant themselves right outside the hex. It doesn't make sense. They must have known where that was prior. So I think there's something going on with sword that ties to Agnes and some nefarious, some ne- nefarious entities are at foot. A foot, a foot. <laughs> I, I have a question. Just, just, just a question in for the people who read the comics. Oh, um, Agatha Harkness, she's not really a villain, isn't she? Isn't she Wanda's friend? Yeah, she's like her mentor. So, all the more, I think this is not a Mandarin situation because in the comics, she's not a villain. Mephisto is the villain. So I think that again, she could be like the world's biggest red herring in the entire, like for the entire show. But I feel like she's presented as Wanda's friend. She's presented as, like, the one trustworthy person to take care of their kids, who's always, like, in the house and something. So it seems like if you're going to undercut that, you would make her the villain then. There is an interesting thing with her character as well, where she's never necessarily a villain. But but she does have these elements where she kind of... I don't want to say it's only her because it's always circumstantial, but there's elements of like us against the world where for as much as Wanda's a mutant in um, the X-Men comics, 
there's also that element of being Magneto's daughter and also having these powers that other mutants don't understand that feel beyond the, the general realm of mutantness. So mm-hmm. I know her character sometimes comes in as a vessel for Wanda to feel as though she doesn't need to conform or make other people understand what she's going through. So I almost think that might be coming into play as well, where if there's a reveal that she does have some understanding of what's going on, that it'll be almost like, okay, Wanda, we need to watch out for ourselves. And I think they're laying the groundwork for that. Cause you know, what was interesting to me about that reveal that she took vision's body, it's kind of, I mean, I saw that and I immediately thought like after Endgame, where was Hawkeye for Wanda to be to like, you know, as a shoulder to cry on. And I think about sometimes how people could be when it comes to grief and like seeing other people in their life suffer through grief. And it almost made me think like, wow, maybe at the end of Endgame after that funeral scene, it was just kind of awkward, like a real world awkward thing of like, well, I'll see you later. And Wanda was probably left thinking like, fuck, like I lost everything. Yeah. yeah, this is only a few weeks after Endgame too. Yeah, like, one is literally just like I think three weeks after we see her at Tony Stark's funeral. Mm-hmm. One thing I'm curious about after what hearing what Ken just said, could then the Agnes character just be as Trojan horsey as the should never be an adjective uh, Trojan horse esque as Pietro. That she's put in there as kind of this, she's Wanda's keeper. Like, you know, she's, you know, this world has been created by an entity, a superpower of some sort, whoever that may be. Mm -hmm. It's been rumored to be Mephisto. Maybe it could be Doctor Strange. Maybe it could be Nightmare as a character people are saying. Um, Could be a lot of people. Who knows? Could she just be Wanda's keeper, the person who's been left there to keep her in place, to keep her in check at all times? And, uh, you know, or to be her, you know, to be her, um, uh, I can't think of the right word, her caretaker, essentially. I I forget who said it um, during the last episode, but there was the idea that. I feel like somebody said that what if Agatha was like part of the the group of people who Doctor Strange trains with? You mentioned that. The Order of Wizards? Oh yeah. I, I did I had that idea. Yeah, so I was I had this idea because we know that Wanda's gonna be in um the next Doctor Strange movie. And something that I think gets forgotten is that even though Doctor Strange is the Sorcerer Supreme, there are still other wizards, and we saw some of them in Endgame, but that network of wizards is still very important within the mythos and ideology and just the function of Doctor Strange. So I actually had this idea, well just a little theory that maybe Agatha is going to be part of that wizard order and she was sent there as a means to investigate what's going on and she's kind of operating as like a bit of like a solo entity representing that because the wizards they protect humanity but it's it's not so much of a thing of like um from my understanding morality it's kind of like protecting humanity from worse things uh that can influence them in the realm of magic so I almost think like that might be a potential thing where 
So I think it'd be an interesting way to introduce Agatha if you wanted to do without too much explanation, where you could explain that she was part of this wizard order, and that's where she got the training in the mystical arts, where it's pretty much a shorthand. Like, once that's established, there's not really any more questions that people would have beyond that. Yeah, that, that to me sounds very likely, honestly. That, that kind of feels like the most relevant theory I've heard yet to how this is supposed to tie into Doctor Strange, because as of now, I think how that's leading into how this is leading into that's kind of unclear, but that would make the most sense to me that she works or she's like aligned with Dr. Strange, or maybe she's kind of gone rogue and, and now she's like trying to protect Wanda kind of like Bill said, actually something else, Bill, you said how she kind of goads vision into going beyond Westview um, I think that's actually kind of interesting. I hadn't really thought of it like that before, but it's it, it does seem very possible that, that she really was like kind of doing that on purpose and kind of uh, like almost gaslighting him into like going beyond Westview because she knew that then Wanda would make the hex yeah. bigger to mm-hmm. save him because she knows that as we see in this episode, when Vision tries to leave the hex, mm-hmm. he literally like can't exist. And if he tries, the further he gets from the barrier, the he starts to just disintegrate into nothing. And I think she knew that once Wanda knew that's what was happening, she would expand the thing. Also, a theory that you had a few episodes, Cole, was that Agatha seemed very invested in the twins. And maybe she wanted to bring out their powers more. And it wasn't until Vision was struggling that... To me, Billy, to whoever mm-hmm. was like his his powers kicked in because at that point, most of the episode, only the the quick brother was yeah. was running around. Yeah, it's Talk very interesting. Yeah. Also, just, I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. No, no Al, Kat, Al, Al please so continue. Continue. Yeah, Al, Al, you could go. No, I want you to finish your point. Okay. Um, You're talking about the kids. Yes. That she, she wanted the kid that uh, Ag- Agnes Agatha did this in order to uh, provoke Billy's uh, powers, essentially, mm-hmm. and that we had only seen Tommy really with his super speed. But when Vision was in trouble, Billy played for all you Hill House fans. He played. He was in that. Um, he was a little boy with the glasses and he his powers were brought out by Vision being in trouble. So she you're thinking that maybe she wanted to bring out the powers of the boys through that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that there's something to that. I do really like Ken's idea though, that she is working with Dr. Strange because something that I hadn't considered until thinking about the connection with Dr. Strange is that remember in Endgame, right. Or infinity war, which one of them, Doctor Strange is the only one who saw all of the different possible solutions of the the different universes, I guess, mm. in which they would beat Thanos, right? Maybe part of that universe in which they did beat Thanos, he also foresaw that in beating Thanos, Vision would have to die no matter what, and this would trigger something in Wanda to make her go, like, catatonic. So maybe Doctor Strange tapped into his own people, and he's like, hey, even though we beat Thanos, like, we really need to keep an eye on Wanda. So 
So Agnes, can you go and take care of her? So, so she doesn't. So she doesn't turn into I'm going to, you know, if I can't have vision, I'm going to destroy the world. And it's not yeah. even her. She's not even thinking it's just stuff is happening. So, yeah. Al, you, you had a point you wanted to make. Yeah, I think just based on the way that she's behaving with like those first few episodes, I loved Kat's theory that, like, she's been pushing for them to have kids this whole time. Right. Like that was her end goal. And it almost seems like. OK, the kids are here. They've aged up. They're starting to get powers. Agnes is nowhere in sight. You know what she's trying to do? She's trying to leave. So I feel like it's almost like she did her job and she feels like she could be kind of like done and she's not. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like the way that she's responded to things, the way that she's behaved, especially the last few episodes, she does not want to be there. And you can you can interpret it as two different ways. You can say you can say like, hey, um, she's pushing Vision to do these things, or you can say like she's she's aware of her surroundings, and I don't know if she's necessarily happy about them. Or is this like a reverse Rosemary's Baby type situation where she helped? This there was was there a deal with the devil Mephisto made that she got these kids? She's mm-hmm. like, listen, I did my job. These kids are here. You take them. Mm-hmm. I'm out. And. Now she wants to out and she can't get out. Mm-hmm. This is really a testament to Catherine Hahn's acting, in my so opinion, yeah. because Incredible. she uh, it's so ambiguous what her intentions are, which is why we're like always arguing this one point every episode. And it's because yeah. Catherine Hahn is killing it. Like she could totally be evil and I would believe it. She could totally be a red herring and I would believe it. She could actually be like the hero of the show who's like preventing like the end of the world. And I would believe it. Like it's, it's so good. She can get an Emmy nom for this. Like she She is crushing it. She's doing so well in this role. So complex. So I want to bring up our final point for this segment is okay. uh, Monica and uh, Jimmy Woo are on their way to meet this mysterious doctor gang who is this doctor because we've teased this for two episodes this can't be a nobody so ken i'm going to start with you who do you think this doctor may be Ooh, you know you have seven names ready to go (laughs) i surprisingly don't because it's one of those things where when that was brought up i think what the show's been really good at is making you feel so caught up in the moment that, at least for me personally, I've been so captivated by the ongoings and the settings that for as much of a mystery box show as it is, I actually find myself forgetting that until like the last 10 or five minutes. So that's actually something I haven't considered until you ask that. You know, I want to hear other people's answers and I'll come, I will come, come back. back to you, sir. So, uh, Cole, who do you got? Uh, I mean, at this point, I really don't know who else it could be that would be meaningful other than Reed Richards or possibly Sue Storm. Because what it is that Monica's doing is she needed a vehicle or something to transport her into the hex without affecting her, um, or at least not turning her into a, a, a sitcom puppet, basically. Uh, and, you know, she had kind of figured it out on a whiteboard and then said, I have an aerospace engineer friend who would be up for this. And to me, an aerospace engineer, that sounds like to me someone who builds rockets or designs ships 
for whatever reason. Um, and that's what Reed Richards is in the comics. They literally, he builds a rocket to beat the Russians. Uh, and, and that's why he brings his girlfriend, her teenage brother, and his other friend with them. And they go up into space, uh, kind of just like on their own. Uh, and then get blasted <laughs> with a cool weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, to me, it just it sounds like Reed Richards. And I feel like, you know, it's going to be a big reveal. It'll, you know, maybe they got John Krasinski to do it or maybe they got someone like not that hasn't been like suggested before. But I have heard Glenn Howerton was someone suggested that was a popular that's, Twitter theory. It's a good one, too. Uh, that's Dennis. He's from my It's Always, always Sunny. Oh my God. <laughs> and he, 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 he has like he wanted Reed to be a villain. <laughs> Which he has. There is a yeah. version of Reed where he becomes a villain called The Dumb. Maker. The Maker. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, he could be Maker. That'd be great. He'd be um, Mater from, uh, from Mars. Uh, <laughs> such a weird transition. Uh, uh, do you have any ideas? <laughs> Sorry, do you have any ideas who this doctor could be? Not a, an animated uh, tow truck. And when you said Monica turns into a cartoon, like a sitcom puppet, I was like, wait, they're going to make her a Muppet? And then I was just like, no, no, that's not what he meant. But uh, literally, <laughs> they turned person. into Muppets and they could do it. They yes. could. Because I would she's also love to see them turn into Simpsons. I know. I thought that might happen for the 90s. That was something we talked about. I'm like, what if they really just said fuck you to, like, all the Marvel fanboys and they went full animation and it was Simpsons style? I mean, I don't know how much an F you to Marvel fanboys that would be. I think there would be a lot of them be like, this is the best. (laughs) World's colliding. So, Kat, do you have any ideas who this doctor could be? Um, yeah, I, at first I was like, she definitely says astrophysicist, right? Aer- oh, no, Aer- aerospace, aerospace engineer. engineer. Um, yes. I initially, I was looking last year, I was like, Reed Richards, is he an aerospace engineer? What does he do? And it's like, yes, uh, I think it could be him. Um, I saw in the random comment section of a post from Nerdist in which somebody said that they watched the show in Spanish and... When Monica says, like, she knows a guy or whatever she says, it's actually translated to be a feminized name. So it could be a woman. So this is just one random Spanish-speaking person in the comment of a Nerdist article. So take that with a grain of salt. But I was like, oh, that's interesting. Then I wonder if it would be Sue Storm, which is... It could. It, it totally could be. Yes. Or, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if it was just Don Cheadle. Because he well, he's not a he's not an aerospace engineer. He's yeah, but he, he he knows a guy who knows a guy. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. he's not. You're right. But he did do a great vocal cameo in the season one finale of Ducktales. By the way, uh, so it's been a while since I mentioned that show. Uh, before I get to Al, I want to get mine out because Al's just gonna be like, Jesus Christ, these names suck. Uh, obviously, number one would be Reed Richards. Uh, number two is a name that's been floated around on Twitter, and that's Blue Marvel, who Al has informed oh. me is a rather new character. Mm-hmm. Um, it would not, I don't think it would get the OMG effect that I think a lot of people would get, but I think it would be cool because I don't know this character. Hey, Wanda, this show has done, is reinvigorated my interest in the MCU, so I'll give you whoever comes my way. Um, other people that you could throw in there, I thought Bruce Banner. You could throw in, she's more of an astrophysicist, but I'm like, 
what if it's Natalie Portman? What if it's Jane Foster? We're going to get her back. That'd be lit. And according to somebody, I don't Oh, no, maybe it was Alex. But according to somebody, it was like, he, she hasn't seen Darcy in like a decade or so. So maybe it could be her. Or, you know, if we're going X-Men and just to be the huge letdown to everyone, it's Forge. So, um, <laughs> and I also hope if we're doing Disney, Disney, if you hear me, you got to have Morph come back in whatever X-Men thing you're doing. You got to have him die. And you have to have whoever's playing Wolverine look at that picture and run his fingers down it. That's what you got to do. I'm sorry. But uh, Al, those are those. Sorry. Those are my picks. Uh, who do you got? I, I don't have anyone fresh because I don't think it would be worth the wait if it was anyone else. Like, I think I think Reed Not would Adam be. Not Adam Warlock? Who I thought nah. Open nah. Nah. I, it's funny because, like, he's been teased now, like, twice. And, like, James Gunn doesn't even care about bringing him in. Like, yeah. and he's the one who keeps teasing him. So, uh, no, I, I, I think Reed would be, would make the most sense. Reed or Sue. Um, and it would be an easy way to have them get their powers because it already seems like that's what they're doing with Monica in the sense, you know, Darcy brought up, like, you're going to die if you keep doing this. And it, it was just, the, what it sounded to me was, um, you're getting powers, Momo Jumbo. Like, Darcy also mentioned that there's CBMR yeah. rays or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Which are like Big Bang ray, or, or radiation, basically, and, and mm-hmm. that sounds a lot like cosmic rays. Yeah. Exactly, and that's the way that the Fantastic Four get their powers, so I think that would be really cool. Um, and I feel like people need to, and I think we do that, we do it as well, uh, just us collectively, as we need to stop treating this as a normal television show. This yeah. is the Marvel Cinematic yeah. Universe. Like, it's yeah. legitimately an extension, a long-form extension of the MCU. Anything could happen. Anything. So, so it's Rocket Raccoon is what you're saying. That would be great. But, but, I just thought of that as you're saying, it could be anyone. Yeah, I know like, a guy. It's a fucking raccoon. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a rabbit. That would be the ultimate swerve. All of a sudden, it's just like, hey. And you're like, holy shit. Not thinking of him. It just, it just for, for people to think that they can't introduce the Fantastic Four this way, like, don't know Marvel. Like, don't I know it. Totally. Uh, the power that they have. So that's, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping and I'm pulling for it, but again, I won't be disappointed in any way because the show can't let me down at this point. The, the right. only other one I've seen that I think would make sense other than Reed Richards is, uh, Riri Williams, who mm. they've already announced will, will be in Ironheart. Uh, yeah. Oh, Ironheart. She, she's like the young girl who kind of, she's like a recent character they introduced mm-hmm. in the comics, but she's like a young girl who kind of takes up the Iron Man oh. mantle and she becomes a character called Ironheart. Um, the, the, the only, the only thing that kind of, that would be, that I'm not sure about it, cause they have cast her, but she's like really young. She's like so 22. Young. So yeah. I don't know if like, a 22-year-old would be an aerospace engineer, but she's also supposed to be, like, one of the smartest people on Earth, so it's possible. You know what would be great, too? Um, uh, it, it would be an interesting way to bring him into the universe, but it's been speculated for a while that they are going to include him in some way. It would be Amadeus Cho. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That could, that so could Amadeus Cho is, like, one of like the top ten smartest people in the MCU. He has um, been brought up, by the way. I 
I've heard, I have heard that name kicked about on Twitter. Well, well, the and again, this is the great, the great uh, marvel of it all. Age of Ultron that we keep going back to, we keep getting recommended. Um, it's his mother, who is the doctor that um, helps oh. build. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So, yeah. So, that, you know what? Actually, at this point, fingers crossed that it's fucking Blade. Like it's just Marshall <laughs> Whistler. It's not even Blade. It's Whistler. Coming <laughs> back. Who's, he's not dead, so you have him come back, and um, you just have him do it, and that'd be amazing. So Ken, obviously your pick is going to be Howard the Duck, but who do you think is this mysterious Doctor could be? In the context of the MCU, like where it currently stands, and after hearing all that. I think Reed Richards, Richards or Riri Williams would make the most sense considering where they're going next, where we know a Fantastic Four movie's coming, and we also know that um, uh, Ironheart show's coming. I actually think something that'd be really interesting would be two things. Since Mo- One, since Monica is so closely tied to the Captain Marvel films, and we know a second Captain Marvel film is coming, potentially it could be a character that's not so well known that's tied to that by some means like to set up for that because and i say that because i'm not that familiar with captain marvel so maybe there's like the comics maybe there's a character that fans would love that would just if they heard the name would go crazy a second thought and it's interesting they said he's not going to be introduced in um the fantastic four film it's like the only thing they've said but it'd be interesting if she knew victor von doom and it was kind of like a way to just introduce that he exists in the context of the world. So I was thinking that and I was just like, no, they wouldn't do that. They were like, well, what Al just said, of course they could. <laughs> uh, poor Toby Kebbell, because I'm pretty sure he's the one who played the variant yeah. of Victor Vaughn in like mm-hmm. Josh Trank's awful movie. And he's a really great actor. I mean, he could have. If they did it right, he could have definitely done it better, but... Oh, yeah. Poor, uh, I don't know. He, he's o- he's always going to be rock and roll to me. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Great I mean, who knows? Maybe they'll bring him in, because know, like now it's the yeah. multiverse, and they're bringing in, like, uh, rejected Spider-Man villains in Spider-Man 3, so <laughs> why not? I'm only going to watch it if they make uh, John Krasinski, Reed Richards, and they make Rain Wilson, Victor Von Doom. <laughs> There you go. What a flips, world. flips computer. <laughs> let's move in. Let's move into our next segment, uh, which I I'm definitely certain I've got the name wrong on this, but we didn't have it last week, so it is. Uh, Wandavision is sponsored by Yo Magic Yogurt. Yo, uh, yogurt for survivors. Holy shit! <laughs> and we thought Lagos was dark last week. This was the darkest thing ever. Now, this was very on-brand, late 90s, early 2000s, Claymation Island. Uh, there's a kid stranded on it. A shark comes out and say, basically says, here, buddy, here's this Yo Magic yogurt. And the kid is trying to open, trying to open until he dies. Wow. That's just a lot to unpack, and it's awful and terrible. I have no frame of reference or what this possibly be outside of this is the fate for every well, the fate of everyone who's going to stay in this universe. Like they have this hex that it's just like, oh, here's everything's great, everything's great. 
but you're all going to die. So, uh, Ken, I'm going to start with you. Uh, I mean, I like yogurt, but this kind of made me feel weird about it. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious, and I'll just share like a nice experience where I've been watching the series uh, with my girlfriend, which has been really fun. We watch them on like Friday mornings, and it's like a little nice thing to do. And when that advert came, I think it's a testament to how um, jaded and cynical I secretly am on the inside. Because we were watching that, and the advert came up, and she was kind of like, what the hell is this, and freaking out. And I was like, what? He's dead. That's what happens. He turned into a skull, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. You should have learned to open it. it. sucks to be him. Why didn't you open it? <laughs> I like that, too. You're taking it. Hey, man. Should you use your thumbs better? Should He's open the Imposable thumbs. It's what makes separates us from the apes. Come on, bro. What's wrong? But what are your what's your thoughts on what this could all stand for slash mean? I think it's weirdly gonna not lead into anything. Though if I wanted to think about like maybe like Alan Moore and Watchmen, where it has like that kind of side comic of like um what is it the Treader and like the Voyage and all that. Oh yeah, I, the Don Treader. The Don Treader, yeah. Maybe there's something going on there in that kind of vein. But I mean. Yeah. Uh, and currently, I have no idea. I mean, it, it can allude to someone specific dying as opposed to maybe a group, perhaps. And, uh, I mean, if it ends up being one of their kids, I mean, that's pretty dark. That Fuck. Pretty dark. I didn't think of that. Oof. Would so, Marvel go there? Maybe. Yeah, I guess. Uh, Cat and Cole. I don't. I like. I can't even make jokes. It's just Cat and Cole. What do you got about this commercial? Um. Yeah. I, uh, what is someone? Yeah, that was Al's. I, Al. Al is um got a propeller. He had like one of those drones from uh Sword just came in. So oh, just God. ignore that. He'll <laughs> be fine. Um, if there's a helicopter coming, it obviously will turn into a hot air balloon. So um, guys, what's your opinion on the yogurt commercial? Yeah, I think it's interesting that this is the first one, I think, that doesn't really specify, it doesn't specifically reference something that we know other than, the only thing I can kind of think of is it's referencing magic, and obviously that's kind of like what Wanda's power, like, I don't think her powers are magic, they're like physical or or, or mutations or whatever, but, um, you know, people characterize it as magic basically yeah and that's the only thing i can think of but it's not really referencing anything specific from a previous movie or anything that we've seen which i, I think was interesting yeah. yeah it doesn't really specify anything from the from the previous movie so i think that's kind of interesting i think it is possibly referencing something we haven't seen yet that that happened kind of leading into what we're seeing now um that's that's kind of my guess it sort of felt like uh, there was some kind of bargaining or, or, or something going on with the with the kid and the shark. Um, so I don't know. That might be referencing something Wanda did. You know, it says it's Hi. the yogurt for survivors. I think that's like a very weird uh, choice of words. So yeah. I don't know. It, it's it's funny. It, it, it doesn't seem to be referencing something we've seen yet so it'll be interesting to see if it does kind of uh if if we do see that kind of come to fruition um i do want to say i 
I, I think the uh, the theory that all the ads reference the Infinity Stones, I think that's still kind of in play here because I, I do think the the little strawberry that the kid is holding or, or, or on the on the yeah, yogurt yeah. cup, it kind of it's a bit of a stretch, but I, th- I think it does kind of look like the Soul Stone when like it comes down and like they're holding it in their hands like this. I think that's possibly what it's referencing, but. It, it's a bit of a stretch, I'll, I'll say that. I robbed this from the internet, but um, you could you could make that assumption because also he gets turned into a skeleton like Red Skull. Yeah, that's true. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, the, aside from the commercial being so dark, like I didn't think they could get darker than the Lagos paper towel one, but um, I liked this commercial a lot because it really transported me to like Nickelodeon like claymation gogurt commercials. Yep. And I was like, wow, I'm like so there. Um, but yeah, it, it is very notable to me that every previous one has had like Strucker or Stark or something like I, very yeah. overtly referencing something we've seen, but this one hasn't. And I wonder if that is just like also the fact that they're getting so much darker is somehow, like, representing, like, Wanda's brain or where the show is going. Like, it's just getting so dark, so in your face. And before, the show started very subtly. It was, like, mostly just, like, a classic sitcom, but then little dark things were kind of dropped. And now it's, like, there are whole scenes that are fucked up and dark, like the people frozen, people crying, her and Vision, like, clearly having, like, marital issues the kids being like, yeah, mom and dad, like, are fighting. and No, they say they're not fighting, they're different. Oh, yeah. Which, which is, is, like, worse. worse. Yeah, yeah, that's way worse. Pietro came out, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 interesting. I, I We talked about this several episodes ago, but I'm, like, convinced that in the next episode, like, her and Vision just might be, like, divorced or yeah, whatever that, that means. I've said that they might be divorced, although... Part of me is wondering now with the hex expanding, is he going? It, will Vision be so afraid of uh-huh. what was out there that he it's a reset for him, or has he been reset because he's been reassumed by the hex? Remember, she can yeah. she changed everyone from sword into clowns and circus people because it was a huge circus outside the. Uh, so yeah. will Vision be rebooted? In many ways, in some ways. Yeah, that'll be interesting. To see. I don't know. Th- that's what's so great about this show to me because it functions on its own internal logic, but because the logic is at the whim of like an extremely emotionally disturbed person, the rules are constantly changing, but not in a way that is irritating. It's in, in a way that ends up being interesting. Like, I have no idea how Vision's going to react in the next episode. I hope he's not rebooted because I, I feel like that would just be... A cop-out. Yeah, it'd be kind of spinning wheels at this point. Or, or, rebooted, or rebooted temporarily, or maybe he's... It seems like there's a reconciliation, but there's still a lot of... Because there's this one image that I see... Mm-hmm. from that trailer. It's the, 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 the picture from the trailer. It's the thumbnail, I should say. Of them both looking out the window, what looks in modern times very stunned at something. Yeah. And I'm wondering if that's going to be in this next coming episode. 
because it looks more modern. It looks more of the time now. And you're just like, oh, maybe they are, you know, there's, there's, they're, they've solved their differences, but something's coming. Something's happening. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, there's it's there's some, also, some look, it's like you don't make that the thumbnail for nothing. Right. And and there, there's also like a little clip of one or both of them says like, OK, this is our home. Let's defend it. And then they like they're, they're he like visions in his vision outfit. And I think she is like in her Scarlet Witch outfit. And then they both fly up. This was in some clip. And we haven't seen that yet. So I'm like, okay, are they going to join forces? Is Vision going to realize what's going on? Or that could also just be fake because that wouldn't be the first time that there's like fake things in trailers that aren't in the show. True. Uh, Al, any uh, further thoughts on the commercial? No, I think the only point I wanted to make was that the, the commercials are getting darker as the events in the episode get darker, which is really interesting to me. Like they they could play the commercials as like a brief like, oh, hey, don't think about that for a second. Here's this fun thing. But they're getting darker, which is interesting to me. Um, and again, those are being broadcasted, correct? The commercials. Yeah. So Why? I guess I guess I, it just all goes back to why why yeah. why is this why? actually being broadcasted for who? That's the weird thing. It's, yeah, we haven't answered that yet. We've only answered the hey, this is actually happening. This is transpiring. But if it wasn't for Darcy, Sword would not know this was happening. But someone was making this like it's a television show. Is it still Wanda? Is it for a particular reason? Why do we have commercials outside of just for our own like glorification? So um, I'm intrigued by that. And I hope they answer it. And if they don't, whatever. I don't care. I love the show. And where are the cameras? And who's making like these cartoons? Yeah. <laughs> that's the cold, that's the cold question right there. Yeah. Cold that goes into like, making cartoons. Uh, the, the stop animated cartoon was made by Titmouse, who are here in L.A. Oh, that our friend works at. That's cool. That's yeah, awesome. my, buddies, my buddies have definitely worked with them before. Yeah. Uh, but let's move into our final segment, where which is, is it a gas or is it trash? <laughs> or the other way around. Um, where we rate the episodes on a scale of 1 to 10 hexes. Um, Ken... Uh, as always, thank you so much for being on this episode. You're going to start us off on a scale, you know, give us your overall thoughts on the episode and give us your rating on a scale of one to 10. One obviously being complete trash and 10 being a total gas. <laughs> what an honor it's been. Uh, I just want to add that in the context of this show, uh, my viewing experience, like how I felt through the show overall is that. I've really found myself surprised of how much I enjoyed this show, especially the first couple episodes. And I mean, obviously, there's a lot of tropes and a lot of callbacks to shows that existed decades ago. But I think what's really made this show stand out, apart from the acting and like the framing and the mystery box element, is that just right now, currently on TV, there's nothing else like it. I mean, to see something that throws back to like I Love Lucy or to even like, you know, the Brady Bunch in 2021 is a really refreshing and wild idea. So funnily enough, as much as I love Marvel stuff and, you know, sinking my teeth into theories and figuring things out, 
the majority of my time watching this show, anytime MCU stuff comes up, I kind of in my head go like, go away. I want to see what happens with the kids. I want to see what happens with like the, the magic at the town square. How's this going to develop? <laughs> Which I guess is a testament to how great they're doing with this current, this most recent episode. I felt like it laid a lot of breadcrumbs and I mean, a lot of stuff happened, but it definitely felt like more set up than anything else. So I think I would give this a good seven hexes. I enjoyed it. It wasn't one of my favorite episodes, but I think it, this is going to be one of those shows that and it's kind of funny. I've been loving watching it week to week, but I think this is going to be one of those shows that when you can watch it all in one sitting or in a day, the big having the bigger picture, the context of that's going to be very helpful. I hear that. And so, what do you? So, on a scale of one to ten, how would you rate the episode? Oh, seven. Seven. All right. Seven. Um, Al, what is your rating? Uh, your overall thoughts on the episode and a rating on a scale of one to ten? Yes. So, my overall thoughts on the episode were it wasn't the strongest. Um, more questions than anything else, but it was like really interesting to see um, the, the kids develop their powers, P, the, the whole Pietro of it all, and, you know, kind of detective vision, as I want to call them, in this episode. So I, I really liked all of those aspects, but I was left with even more questions. Um, you know, who 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 are they going to go see? Is it Reed Richards? Whatever. Um, I still don't have any, like, tangible, like, what's happening what what's causing this answers yet and that's not a bad thing it's just i feel this episode was almost like a lead into something bigger um so i, I would give it like an eight out of ten hexes um but i I've, I've only watched it once so that that could change with a second viewing um i'll go with mine then we're going to close out with colin cat um i'm gonna give this uh eight and a half because i I really enjoyed it as an episode of just regular television. Just, uh, man, it was like, I was not expecting so much of this. Like there was so many things that happened that, um, you know, I was just kind of stunned by, you know, the, the Agnes scene, the, um, the, um, oh gosh, totally lost my train of thought. The expanding of the hex. Uh, I thought there was so much great stuff in this episode. I thought it was a really awesome Halloween episode and kind of had that, you know, there's the big family problem that always pops up at the, at the episode, a Halloween episode, but it's resolved by the end or at least we think so. So I thought it was really cool. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed all the nineties and two thousands reference. I enjoyed there being the, as I've seen that show a bazillion times, Gilmore girls reference with that town square and the, the hay maze. And, um, it leaves one thing that's great about this series is every single week. And why we're doing this podcast, we are diving into the smallest of things looking for what could happen. We're reading comments, um, Spanish language translations. We're looking on Twitter. It's awesome. I love that. There were fact we're doing it and it's not a frustrating factor. If you watch a show like Westworld at times, that mystery box got so frustrating and so convoluted for me and for many others. And it's just like, after a while, you're like, oh, this is too much. This keeps you wanting to come back every single week. And this was our final, you know, kind of truncated episode. We're now heading into the one hour episodes. And I'm very, very excited for that. So Cat and Cole, close us out. Um, yeah, I, I would 
I kind of agree, I think, with everybody's assessment of the episode. Um, like I kind of talked about in the last episode, it, it kind of feels weird for me to judge them individually because they just all feel like a piece of a whole. So it's kind of, kind of feels like you're judging like a scene in a movie almost. Um, but obviously it is a TV show. So I mean, I would, I would say this one compared to others, it, it was just as good as far as like the mystery and the intrigue and the, the scary parts go. Um, it, it did feel like it was treading water a little bit or spinning wheels a bit. Like I, I feel it's like two episodes in a row now. We, we've just had vision kind of awakening someone and like trying to like suss out from them, like what's going on. And, you know, obviously we see him trying to get out of the hex at the end here, but then we don't really see what's happened now after that. Um, so it, it feels like, you know, they've only, they, it's just like a little baby step from the previous episode as far as the plot goes and learning what's going on. Um, I think bringing in Pietro definitely added like something to the show. Uh, you know, it gave it a bit more and, and made this episode, uh, you know, even if it is treading water a bit, it, it does make it, I think, a vital episode because you get most of the Pietro stuff in, in this one. Um, so yeah, I think I'd give it like an eight hex out of 10. Um, yeah, that's, that's how I feel. Yeah, I, I agree with what everyone has said, which is really nice to kind of see that we're all on the same page. And even though we have different interpretations of this show, we're experiencing it in a similar way. Um, I agree that it felt like this episode is very much setting up a lot of things that will happen in the upcoming episodes. Namely, Vision, I think, was like the most obviously um, not at odds with Wanda, but the most he's been at odds with her in this episode. I feel like the kids are really becoming their own characters and really led a lot of the narrative of this episode. So I'm interested to see where they're going. Um, I also, it was also nice to see uh, in real time, Wanda like really expanding her powers. Like, the, the hex is moving over all of these sword agents and you just see everything become a circus. And it, it that was really, really exciting. I, I'm really looking forward to see what happens to Darcy in the yeah. hex because mm -hmm. she's been like so aware of what's going on and it's a TV show and being recast. and Yeah. Like, I, I, like I wonder if she'll be kind of like some of the other people in the sitcom where they're a bit more aware of what's going on and yeah. they kind of, they use the, the tropes of the sitcom to, to, like I said before, kind of navigate around Wanda and yeah. like, escape or do something. Yeah, yeah. What, so will she be like a like a carnival barker or something, but we'll also try and reach out to Wanda in some way. It, it'll be really interesting to see kind of how she engages. And yeah, yeah, it's this is just setting up what I anticipate like a final three run episode to be really, really exciting. Um, also, I only learned this yesterday and wanted to add it here. Of course, as the music editor, I feel like I must. But something we didn't talk about is that the theme song for this episode was uh, recorded by Kathleen Hanna of Bikini Kill to really have, like, a cool oh. 90s, early 2000s punk vibe to it. 
That's like, awesome. I know. I, I read that and I was like, what? Oh my God, that is her. Um, which was really, really cool. I was like, hell yeah. We got um, uh, a punky vibe to this. So yeah, very cool. Uh, hope for more things like that. Um, also, I agree with what many of us have said. I would give this episode um, eight hexes out of 10, which so far has been my lowest rating, but it's also still eight out of 10. So I think that really speaks to how great this show is. Um, and I want to close on the fact that's something we haven't really explicitly said, but the acting on this show is so excellent and so incredible. And it really shows the production value and Marvel and Disney are, they're not just like dumping this stuff online. Like these are TV shows that are putting for like the, the mythos and the lore of the MCU and really like laying the groundwork for big movies and things, which is why I feel confident Reed Richards would pop up a few people saying like, he'd never pop up in a show. I'm like, this is like a tent pole show for MCU right now. I feel like he absolutely would. Yeah. The, the acting is so good. It's, the show has given me a whole new appreciation for Elizabeth Olsen, who I think is just fantastic even though I really criticized her in the beginning for her like bad, weird Russian accent. Um, I think that she's great. A lot of people say that Paul Bettany quote is just like a bitch in this show and doesn't really do anything interesting. Um, yeah. A lot of fanboys say that. I think that's insane. I think he has like a very subtle, interesting performance. Um, are just doing a, a really, really good job. And the child actors are not annoying, and sometimes they can be in other things. So, yeah, eight, eight out of ten. That's awesome. So let's close it out with our final segment, which is going to be pop culture references, pop culture recommendations in a time of quarantine. I'm going to quickly do mine. Uh, I, I originally had something a little different, but uh, I was on Facebook Memories recently. I clicked on it, and I had announced back in 2011 – that I'd be interviewing some of the band members, uh, members of the band Soul Live, which was uh, became kind of the breakout for Pop Rake's long-standing love affair, and my personal one with the kind of jazz, funk, and jam bands, as they all three of those guys have been very kind enough to do interviews on the site. Uh, the album that I featured on it was Rubber Soul Live, which is their instrumental tribute to the Beatles. Uh, Eleanor Rigby would be the song for that. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, if you're into instrumental music, man, Soul Live hasn't put out a record in quite some time outside of 2018 Cinematics Volume 1, but they have a really steep, um, steep catalog that you could check out. They're absolutely fantastic. They've been in a whole bunch of other bands. I know Eric Krasno has been in, you know, done work with Justin Timberlake. Uh, Neil Evans has toured with Jack White, and he's been in, you know, his some studio albums with him. Alan Evans has done a ton of stuff, too. They're an amazing live band. So Eleanor Rigby, Buy Soul Live, Off Rubber Soul Live is my pick for this week. Uh, Ken, what is your recommendation? Well, kind of picking piggybacking off of, like, bringing up the Beatles – uh, I have spent this uh, er, like early couple weeks of uh, 2021 uh, continuation of lockdown, just de- you know delving into things I'm not familiar with. And for some reason, a friend I was talking to brought up the movie Across the Universe that came out in 2007, uh-huh. which I somehow had never seen. I just remember seeing the ads and thinking it looked cool. 
So I watched it for the first time a couple of nights ago, and holy shit, that movie's fucking incredible. I mean, it's it's essentially um, they utilize Beatles music, thirty Beatles songs to build upon a story, and the cast uh, does renditions of them, and it's really a nice little gem of a movie where a lot of the plot is quite predictable if you've ever seen a movie that takes place in a particular time period, but. I think what really stands out is that all the covers feel very lush and alive and just downright great. So that was like a little nice surprise across the universe. Uh, rented it on YouTube for like three bucks, which is, I mean, even though we have all these streaming services, the fact you can rent a movie for three bucks is still pretty awesome to me. So yeah, I'd highly recommend that. Just if you if you marginally like the Beatles, you'll really find yourself enjoying that movie. I think. Uh, Cole, what's your recs for this week? Uh, we watched a few movies over the weekend, a um, couple newer ones. Uh, one that was really good, I thought, we watched was called uh, The Kid Detective, starring Adam Brody. Um, hadn't really heard much about it, but started seeing people watch it and then decided to check it out. And it's really good. Uh, it's about Adam Brody. And he plays like this guy uh, who was a kid detective when he was a kid. Um and now he's like kind of an adult and he's like this alcoholic loser, more or less. And he gets enlisted to solve an actual crime. Whereas before he would like solve like who, you know, stole from the school fundraiser, who is like, uh, you know, uh, like petty, petty. Pe- crimes. Yeah, like petty, like kid, like hardy boy crimes. Um, but then he actually has to like solve a murder and it gets like really, really, really dark. Um, this performance is great though. Yeah. He's really good in it. It's, uh, yeah, it, it gets into like really like ugly, like real world territory, which is interesting because part of the movie is like, he's a person from kind of like not a real type of a world. He's kind of like a character. He's, seeing like a book growing up or something, but then they kind of bring him into like a real world context and it's, it's actually done pretty well. So that was good. Um, we also watched this really insane movie called Barb and star go to this, uh, Vista Del Mar. Del Mar. Yeah. How was that? I, I've heard things. It, it's, I, I don't even really know how to describe it. I couldn't even begin to like recount like what the plot was. Cause just, just quote, quote a review I saw on Letterboxd, which is, this is not a movie, it's a wavelength. You're either on it or you're not. Yeah, it's it's a weird movie because it's a comedy, but it's a sort of a comedy that I feel like hasn't been made in a really long time. It really feels like it, it's, a, it's made by the people who made Austin Powers or Zoolander. Like, it's that kind of a movie. Um, like Kristen Wiig plays two different characters in it, uh, which I didn't realize at first, but which is essentially like a Dr. Evil and an Austin Powers type. It just yeah. commits. And, and the characters feel like SNL characters and it feels like it's referencing something that I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, it's, it's, it's just based around these very specific characters, kind of like how Austin powers is meant to be a very specific sort of character that a movie centered around this is sort of the same kind of idea and it's it's really really bizarre um, yeah. but it is funny 
it, it's an acquired taste, so I, I don't know if it would be for everyone, but I would definitely recommend checking it out. Yeah. Kat, what about you? Um, I would like to re- recommend a movie series because the third movie in the series came out over the weekend. Um, this is a series that is objectively created for 14 and 15 year old girls, but I enjoyed it. And I think a lot of people would enjoy it. It is to all the boys I've loved before a trilogy of movies. It's based on a series of YA novels I have never read. Um, but the movies, the first movie in particular is so, so good. And the second and third are really cute and really sweet. Um, extremely long story short, it's about a young girl who writes various love letters to her dream crushes, never intends to send them, but then her little sister intervenes and sends all these love letters out. So now she has completely mortifying experiences of like the popular lacrosse boy now knows that she loves him and also her neighbor boy who is dating her older sister now knows that she has a crush on him. Very dramatic, but in a real world context, it's a bunch of teenagers and they sound like teenagers. It's not a movie that sounds like adults trying to pretend what kids act like. Um, also, the lead in all the films is a Korean girl and she has a like a blended family, a white dad, a Korean mom, and it just shows like different cultures in a way that I haven't seen anywhere else. Um, normally when you see an Asian family on TV, they're very stereotypical and that's not the case at all. Um, the lead character is actually played by the actress Lana Kandor, which plot twist plays Jubilee in the latest X-Men films. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really great. It's really cute. Also in the latest movie, there's an extended scene where somebody is talking about Oasis and why they need to listen to the album. What's the story morning glory. And then later in the film, don't look back in anger plays. And I got extremely emotional. Yes, this is a movie for 14 year olds, but it was excellent. Um, I would recommend those films to anybody. All three are on Netflix. I would just add that this is actually really funny. Um, I love that first movie and saw the second one. And what's very specific about me bringing this up is that, and I don't get to say this often, I personally tend to hate things set in high school. I don't know what it is. I think it's just from being so far removed from high school in general that when there's like a movie or show and the settings in high school, I just automatically find myself going like I'm not interested. So the fact I find myself loving this movie franchise is wild to me because you did such a beautiful job, Kat, articulating all the good things about it. Because I spend my time watching these movies and in my head I'm just like, why am I enjoying this? I can't <laughs> put it into words. Laura Jean, stop chasing these boys. I just... <laughs> yeah. Yes. And the movies, all three were written by women. The first film was directed by a woman and it's based on a series of books by um, an Asian female author. So representation, it's it's excellent. I recommend it. Yeah. All I'll add is fuck John Ambrose. Okay, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Al, take us home, buddy. Oh, man. I just want to comment on everything that's been said previously, except for Bill, because I don't know who that band is. But 
I loved I loved Across the Universe when it came out. Great movie. I've seen it like a million times. Uh, Cole, the two movies that you recommended, I they're on my list of movies I want to see. I've been wanting to watch Kid Detective for a while. Uh, actually, Kevin interviewed um, was it uh, Adam Brody about the movie. I'm like I never heard of this movie, but it sounds like it was like made for me, so I definitely want to check it out. Oh yeah. Um, and then of course, uh, Cat. Now I'm intrigued because you mentioned Oasis. So just <laughs> bring that up. Um, mine's gonna be quick because a don't know how to describe this thing. B I don't want to give anything away. Um, just want to make sure I get the guy's name right. All right, Derek Delguadio's in and of, in and of itself. Oh yeah. Yes, we recommended this. Remember? Yes. Al? Yes, and I finally watched it. Um, I haven't stopped talking about it. Um, everyone that I've come into contact with, I say that they have to drop what they're doing, throw their phone across the room, and watch this thing on Hulu right now. Um, it is a documentary. It's a magic show. It's a dark comedy. It's a one man show. It is so fucking good. Um, please watch it. And that's all I'm going to say. Not even going to tell you anything about it. Yeah. It's great. What is the name again? Oh, it's in and of itself. It's on Hulu. Can and watch it as in an ampersand and as an ampersand. Uh, yeah. Watch Ken, it. It's going to like, now. Ken, I really specifically want you to watch it and have report to back it. because I just anticipate a series of texts that all start with, holy shit, what is going on? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Ken, I need you to live Facebook message us while you're watching this. <laughs> it's it's weird. It's a, it's a crazy thinking, thing. I'm almost, I'm almost thinking it's going to feel like when I went to go see Parasite because it was a thing where a friend of mine talked to me about Parasite the way you just described that show, but pretty much didn't describe anything, not even the plot whatsoever. So I was like, I like good movies. So I went to see Parasite. And when it starts getting to like the stuff in the basement, I remember being in the theater like, what the fuck's happening? What is this? What's going on? What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Enjoy, Ken. Enjoy. Yes. All right, gang, that is the episode for the week. Everyone, let's plug our social media. Kat and Cole, gonna start with you first because you have the uh, usually have the shortest ones. Yes, uh, you can follow me on Instagram. Cat goes to shows on Twitter. Cat underscore wild with an e at the end. Uh, I have the same handle for Letterboxd. And if you're so inclined, you could also uh, contact Cole on Letterboxd. His handle is just Cole Rothacker. R O T H A C K E R. Rothacker, or Rothacker, if that's easier. Hack the planet, man. A little dated <laughs> reference for everybody. Ken, where can people find you on social media? And uh, please plug your podcast once again. Uh, well, it's been a while since I've done this, so I'm looking forward to it. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Konami Photo. That's K-E-N-A-M-I. And photo spelt the American way. And I'll just like to add, the reason I say that is because in some European countries, they do spell photo as F-O-T-O, and my Americanist is just not having that. That doesn't make any sense. So, photo spelt the American way. And please check out my podcast, The New Exchange. Uh, season 2 just kicked off, uh, and it's really great. I can honestly say that. I have spent the last two and a half months working really hard on it, still working on it. But it's one of those things I can say I'm truly proud of, and it sounds fantastic. And I did a damn great job, and I'm pretty fucking awesome. So do check it out. Very proud of you, man. Um, Al, 
tell us where they can find you. Um, you can find Ken's podcast uh, anywhere podcasts are found. Uh, it's the New Exchange with Gra- uh, Ken Grandpierre. Just give it an extra plug. Might as well. Um, oh, you can find me at Al Manorino on Instagram and Twitter. And on Instagram, I'm posting one photo a day for 365 days um, against my better sense of judgment. Awesome. If you want to follow me for some godforsaken reason, I am at Bodkin Writes, W-R-I-T-E-S, the American way, I guess you could say, um, on Twitter, where it's mostly just wrestling and retweeting Pop Break stuff. And yes, check out thepopbreak.com every single day. We've got great stuff on film, TV, music, comic books, anime, pro wrestling, digital trends, you name it, we're talking about it. Of course, follow us on Twitter at the pop break we are forward slash popbreak.com all spelled out on facebook at pop break on instagram of course rate review and subscribe to this podcast you know that would be so awesome check out pop break tv which you can find on spotify anchor google and apple podcasts you can also we have a ton of shows under there we are also moving our breakcast feed over there but for right now you can find the breakcast on apple and soundcloud you could also find it, find our Oscar podcast and the winner still is, as well as the uh, way too early Oscar podcast on Spotify, Ankle, Google, and Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We will be back for episode seven. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs>